0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello, my friends. How are we doing? My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. We are here for our Wednesday live show, Thursday podcast. Hayden, we spoke just a few days ago. Hopefully everyone out there tuned into 10 important player and team projections. I think it'll get people a major edge at this point of the NFL calendar. But today, Hayden, we're talking about stacking. Oh, it's the new wave in the last one or two or three years.
0: Everyone's doing it. But first, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. This is going to be my last show for two weeks, going on a little bit of a vacation next week. I need people to go use promo code the show or promo code Hayden Winks because car rentals in Kauai <laughs> are absurd. It was to the point where I was looking at U Hauls to see if I can go just buy a U Haul truck for for five days. It's cost it's cost over a thousand dollars to rent a car for four days in Kauai right now.
1: We were just talking about uh, Brooklyn apartments that I might be moving into this summer. Uh, I very much would appreciate it if you listen to. Uh, Hayden's words that he just told you all to do uh, do you want to mention what you're doing here I mean it's like it's a vacation that sounds nice you're going to come back even three or four shades
0: darker than, than I am right now yeah I'm going to get tan for hot best ball summer um, also <laughs> my fiance and I our wedding was supposed to be a, 10 days from now um, but we decided we want to play it safe we were going to postpone the wedding until next year so instead of kind of having like a that, that kind of sucks instead of just taking an L where I'm like, Hey, let's just go to Hawaii. And then we're, it's like almost like an eloping, but like, we're not having a ceremony. It's just us two. Uh, right. We're going to do our vows, that type of stuff, come back super tan. And then next year uh, we'll do the full, the full wedding. So I wasn't invited. Plan. No, actually we were thinking about doing uh having one officiant come, but the, the rental car, the rental car prices, I don't want to push that on anybody. It is absurd how expensive it is to go to Hawaii.
1: Who, who in your life, would be a better efficient than the guy who hosts every single podcast with you. This is I think true. it's a fair question to ask. This is true.
0: I, I don't think that your, your skin color can handle the kawaii <laughs> heat for four days in a row, Josh. I'd be worried about you. You
1: two are in the wide open. I am just having an umbrella over top of my head. Exactly. That's, that's me at the beach. I just need shade. And it's not really like much of a beach experience. Let's get in today's show. Six stacks, six teams, six combinations that we love. We're going to do... You know, our white tablecloth type of stacks, which are the ones that we absolutely love that are rich, you know, deserve a lot of draft capital. We'll get to the middle ones that are affordable. And then later on ones that, you know, might take a little bit of stretch of your imagination a little bit, use your imagination to see if they'll work in the end. Again, we'll get to those six, but we probably want to start off with maybe the strategy of, of stacking. As I mentioned, it's something that has become quote unquote, In vogue over the last one or two years, I attribute that a lot to Establish the Run, Justin Herzig and Michael Leone. uh, They've really called attention to, especially in these best ball tournaments like Best Ball Mania 2, where you can win over a million dollars over on underdog, that the correlation to success and winning is is high. There are multiple reasons why, Hayden, any simplistic thoughts you can give the people out there, reasons why um, stacking is important.
0: Well, if you're not first, you're last, and that's just how the the prize pool is just drawn out. That includes even if you're just drafting with your high school friends, like you're still trying to get come in first place. It's not just uh, only reserved for the big best ball tournaments. To me, you have to have correlation, and when you're putting all your eggs into one basket, if you're assuming if you've let's say for example you've drafted a wide receiver in the first two rounds you are assuming that wide receiver to be really good. And if he's really good, guess what that means? The quarterback's really good. And if that quarterback's really good, then maybe that tight end is also really good. So um, you're already investing in an offense. Might as well wrangle up the other players in that offense. So if you are if you are right about that first or second round wide receiver, might as well be right about the, the guy that you're going to be drafting in the seventh and ninth round as well.
1: There's multiple stacks though out there. I mean, quarterback, I think is, is pivotal. It's a necessity to call it a stack. Correct. Then you have pass catchers, wide receivers and tight ends. And then you even have running back you and I, and at least me, I was reading Michael Leone's piece from earlier this, this off season just about stacking and why the quarterback to wide receiver to wide receiver dynamic might be most important. But Hayden, what I always come back to with stacking is you're going to have to reach, right? Especially now we just, we've done like 15 best ball drafts in the last two weeks. It feels like, especially during underdog of Palooza. And every single time I heard every single drafter say, well, I got to reach, take this guy, this guy at some point, does it lose value? Does it become like you're overreaching in order to complete your stack? Or should you do that in the case of, again, these massive, massive tournaments?
0: Well, I think a little context comes into play. If, if you're just doing a 12-man best ball tournament, not the best ball mania tournament, just you're trying to come in first place out of 12, I think it's okay to reach slightly. Slightly. I wouldn't overreach on anybody because basically, and the math plays out, if you're overreaching, then you're just giving up too much value in general. But For the big best ball tournaments, 150,000 people are entering. You cannot reach period, Hmm. period, period, period. It is almost better to wait extra long because the reality is, is let's say you have uh, two wide receivers and a quarterback, but you reached around on average for each one of those. Guess what? Some guy is going to be drafting the next day with that same stack, the same two quarter, or the, the quarterback and the two receivers, and they just waited an extra round. So guess what? You have the same construction, except this guy has just been drafting better players than you throughout the draft. So for me, this is kind of how I look at it. You have to be kind of willing to say, like, maybe this team I have to just, like, throw away. And I, yeah. want, I want to just wait for the best possible outcome for the big best ball tournaments, because you have to come in top 100, top 200, top 250, out of 100,000 people, you have to have the nuts all the way throughout. So I, I would discourage people reaching to complete your stacks. Let the stacks fall for you.
1: Leone again, who we've had in the show, mentions that quarterback running back stacking at some point is kind of like a neutral decision. There's not as much correlation for success there in terms of winning the entire thing. Quarterback, like I mentioned with wide receiver and another wide receiver, is a significant edge. And then it seems like Hayden, and this is something we can talk to when we go through all these teams that when you get to tight end, at least last year, we talked about this on the on the last show, tight end is, is all about finding that one that you take at like tight end nine, tight end 12, that you pick up in week one or week two, I guess you can in ball, but like tight end 19, let's say, um, as your second tight end. He's the one who then goes on to have that top five, top top seven season. So like that is more important and, and identifying that player more so than stacking it with, the quarterback, unless his name is like Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, that he's like a absolutely pivotal piece of the passing attack.
0: I love trying to complete the quarterback to tight end stack just because we talked about in the last show, tight end is so weak. So when you're going through best ball mania 2 you you're just hoping for a touchdown. Like let's say you have on average the tight end 12 for that season. Well, if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's, he's not helping you at all. You need touchdowns. Yeah. And if he's scoring a touchdown, that means your quarterback's throwing a touchdown, obviously. So I love trying to complete the quarterback to tight end uh, stack in po- if possible. My whole strategy is just bullet points. I, lo- I want to have two quarterback stacks, quarterback plus two skill position players, possibly a third one. And if if possible, like my go-to stack would be a quarterback, an early round receiver, whoever his best receiver is, the tight end on that team. And then like the the third wide receiver that you can get into like the 14th, 15th, 16th round of tournaments. So basically strong quarterback, strong wide receiver, whoever that tight end is, and then the last guy in the offense that has the potential to score a 50 yard touchdown when you're coming to like the week 16 when you have to advance in these big tournaments. So that's the basic the basic strategy I have. Find two teams every single draft and call it a day.
1: Now that we have the those bullet points, we cool to move on to some of our favorite sacks this year. Let's do it. We're not going to outline every team. Every team theoretically has a stack out there. We're going to talk about every single team leading up until the regular season. But for now, these are six of our favorites, and we've kind of tiered them into different groups. Again, the white tablecloth, the the top shelf, the ones that are going to cost extreme draft capital, but hopefully they come back and help you win, again, that million dollars. In the middle is the affordable stacks, one that presents some value, but you might have to you know take one piece very highly. The third tier, the third group is that one that is just all value that shouldn't and most likely the public isn't believing is going to hit immediately right now, but they might be one that surprises and helps you elevate and and have a clear edge over your opponents. So let's start with the one that takes a lot to invest in.
0: Hayden, who's your white tablecloth stack this week? Well, this was the white tablecloth stack from last year that cost everybody money. And this is the, the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. But even with that, Lamar Jackson in his two seasons as a starting quarterback, he's had the second best fantasy quarterback season of all time and then the 44th best fantasy quarterback season of all time. To me, the biggest difference from last year to this year, two things. One, I'm not expecting the Baltimore Ravens defense to be as good. They lost Judon. They lost uh, They're They're relying on a, a pass rusher who didn't have any sacks last year to kind of fill in that gap. I just think the AFC, AFC North is just better top to bottom. So you're going to see the Ravens kind of have to push the, the pace a little bit. They're not going to be blowing everybody out by 10, 15 points like they were two seasons ago. And the second part is Rashad Bateman comes in. And I think Rashad Bateman, he just provides something that the Ravens really lacked last year production within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. It's third and five who's winning the slants, who could be a traditional X receiver. They were throwing to Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, Devin Duvernay. Those were the third, fourth, and fifth in targets last year. Now you get Rashad Bateman. You get Marquise Brown, who should be more effective in a smaller role. And then you get Sammy Watkins, who I love, as well as an explosive third target. So to me, just Lamar Jackson has way more weapons. I don't think the defense is going to be as good. That's the perfect combination. We all know Lamar Jackson's ceiling in general.
1: I love this. And I believe Lamar Jackson, right now, an underdog, is going as the quarterback four. I don't think it's a stretch hey, to take him as the quarterback two, as the quarterback one, because if the rhythm starts for this Ravens team like it did in 2019, we know that that 2019 regular season team for the Ravens, one of the best regular season teams we've seen in the last decade. They were absolutely rolling and they've gotten better. As you mentioned, all the pieces and I would throw in their offensive line, I think is going to be significantly better this year. Than, than it was last year. I mean, they dealt with a Ronnie Stanley injury when the best left tackles in football was out, and they also had some chaos in, in the guard-center-guard combination. You bring in Kevin Zeitler and maybe even a new starting center. Hopefully, that can help out that area of the roster. But we also mentioned, we talked about Rashad Bateman a lot post-draft. Um, we know that, yes, Greg Roman, Lamar Jackson, Harbaugh have all said that like we we want to stretch the field and Make defenses cover every single blade of grass. If they can do that, that's that's like an added bonus. That's how I'm thinking about it. But what they do now and what the strength is in the passing game is the middle of the field. And Mark Andrews is still there. And what you're doing is replacing Willie Sneed's 292 slot snaps, potentially all of Rashad Bateman. And so you have Marquise Brown, you know, being that the high variance playmaker. And doing some other things. And then you have hopefully a consistent threat along with Mark Andrews in that passing offense, along with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards carrying the football. There's a lot to love. So how, how do you construct the stack? Like what is the order, the, the the process of these picks to construct this Baltimore Ravens stack?
0: Yeah, well, outside of just how fun this offense is just within itself, you're also talking about the positional values that we were talking about. It is hard to find good tight ends. Guess what? This stack, you get one. Mark Andrews, he's going to be top five. He has a path to top three uh, potentials. And the receivers are both very, very, very cheap. Um, I would go with Rashad Bateman over Marquise Brown. I think Marquise Brown's being a little overdrafted. I think that people are sleeping on just how good Rashad Bateman is. So for me, all you have to do, Lamar Jackson early, Mark Andrews early, and then Rashad Bateman. And to me, just in general... I want to be kind of drafting the high-end tight ends because I have zero confidence in my ability to find the late-round tight end. I feel pretty confident that I can piece together late-round wide receivers. Those include guys like Rashad Bateman. So if I can knock out an elite tight end in my stack, even better.
1: Okay, so I'm looking at these ADPs. Mark Andrews right now has a 60 ADP, okay? And I'm looking at Lamar Jackson. It's around 56 would you be willing to take those guys in rounds four and rounds five to secure them in the stack? Or are you just going to say, hey, this team, this draft is setting me up if I'm at like that five, six turn where it's I can get Lamar Jackson and then come right back around and Mark Andrews. And that's when it fits what I want to do.
0: Yep. I'm not going to be reaching for these guys because you okay. don't have to commit to this stack because you already had your first three or four picks in the, in the bag and you haven't used any of them for this stack yet. So this is just one where – If it falls to me, perfect. Maybe I can – this is like my second stack. Maybe I've already drafted a high-end wide receiver like an A.J. Brown, and then all of a sudden I'm stacking the Titans with the Ravens, and I kind of have two mid-tier stacks, and that's uh, an angle I would look at. Can Lamar win MVP again? The answer is yes. Absolutely, yeah.
1: The answer is absolutely yes. Uh, You and I took a bit of a different approach with this, which is good, uh, because I'm going to advocate for some people to reach on these stacks if they want to. Uh, I'm going to go against the advice that you're giving, but look, I think it's great to give both both sides of this uh, this conversation. My top shelf stack, Dallas Cowboys. Oh, do we forget Hayden Winks? Just how electric the Dallas Cowboys were at the start of last season. Doing research for the show, I went back and looked at what Dak Prescott did in his four and a half games as a starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, and I, all I said was, "It's absurd." Uh, in his four full starts. He averaged 50 passing attempts per game, 43 completions, 420 passing yards, over 20 rushing yards, and three total touchdowns per game. He was the quarterback one on the season in fantasy points per game, averaging over 27, nearly 28 fantasy points per contest. So if you consider, yes, he's coming back from injury, but at that quarterback one performance that he showed last year, You're getting him as the quarterback five, an underdog right now, an ADP of 57 overall. To me, it's pretty easy to make this stack because what you do and what you can do is take either one or two of your favorite running backs early on. Like, let's say you want to take, I don't know, Joe Mixon in round one. Okay. Or you can take uh, Austin Eckler in round two and pair him with either a Travis Kelsey in round one or. I don't know, an A.J. Brown in round two if you took Joe Mixon. So you can get like a great running back and wide receiver combo or tied in whatever position combo that you want. Then, starting in round three, you either take Amari Cooper or C.D. Lamb because their ADPs are basically identical. 34 and 37 is wide receiver 12 and wide receiver 14, respectively. Then either the next round or the following round after that, you get Dak Prescott, and then later on you get Michael Gallup. Wide receiver 41, Overall ADP of ninety. It's a pretty easy stack to complete, in my opinion, for what the ceiling can possibly be of the top number one offense in the league. And that's in the range of outcomes here with the Dallas Cowboys.
0: Yep. And I'll throw Ezekiel Elliott uh, kind of in that mix too. If you wanted to go Zeke with Dak Prescott, Michael Gallup, and then find one of the tight ends. And that's this is the perfect team where the those tight ends are going like the very couple last rounds, and you just hope, hope that uh Dalton Schultz comes back or Blake Jarwin comes back from an injury. And then all that's how you round out this stack. But I, I think it's it's very clear. You pick one of Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, or C.D. Lamb. You get Michael Gallup. People are kind of forgetting how good of a player Michael Gallup is. And I think that the splits from last year where Michael Gallup was like a very distant third receiver, those might come back a little bit closer this year just because I, I think that Michael Gallup is too good to be averaging like 10 points per game. Um, so I think Michael Gallup is a good value with Dak Prescott and to pick one of these top receivers and bingo like this. Like you said, like this could be a top two, top three scoring offense this year easily. And I've heard some skepticism of,
1: well, will the Cowboys have to throw and like put as much on Dak's plate next year as they did last season, this first like four and a half, five games of the year. And I would say like one. It's not for certain like this Dallas Cowboys defense is going to improve, right? Also, I would say that the offensive line is going to be better, which is just going to help the offensive efficiency. And three, if the defense is better, if the offensive line is better, you just get a better Dallas Cowboys team. I mean, I think they started one and three at the start of last season. Like when good teams are playing well, their players are scoring points for us. And so I'm I'm not afraid of like, other facets of the team, you know, turning into good parts of the roster and then that impacting Dak and company, it's only going to help. It's absolutely only going to help. And just a couple stats here. I mean, there's four games with Dak because I throw away the rest. I mean, I throw away the, the Andy Dalton time, whoever else is playing quarterback. Just get rid of it. Amari uh, Cooper was wide receiver five in fantasy points per game. CeeDee Lamb was wide receiver 20 in fantasy points per game, was playing 93% of his snaps in the slot. He had the identical yards per route run as Amari Cooper. And while Michael Gallup was like wide receiver 36 at that time, he was still averaging at least 10 fantasy points per game if you're talking about half point PPR. So Cowboys, it's rich. It's going to take a lot to get it, especially two of those pieces and maybe even three. I wouldn't hate starting off with Amari, CD, and Dak because, again, it can be the number one offense in the NFL. But, again, because of that, uh, I'm in. I'm absolutely willing to do this. And Hayden, I know what you said at the top. I know what you said about not reaching, not overextending. But if I have the ability in myself that I think, hey, I know some, at least at this point in the calendar, some edges later on in the draft, I'm okay going in being like, okay, I'm going to spend rounds three, four, five and get the stack and let's roll with it.
0: This was something I I was debating talking about or not because I don't have the data to support this, but I've done enough drafts where I've seen this you can sometimes wait to complete the last part of your staff if you've already gobbled up the rest of the offense. And what I mean by that is, for yeah. example, you've drafted Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb in rounds 3-4. Bang, bang, you got those guys. Who in the rest of the uh, – and uh, all the people you're drafting against, who's going to be drafting Dak Prescott at that point? Everybody knows to stack together, right? So maybe you can kind of wait an extra round and hope that Dak Prescott kind of falls to you just because everyone else is – disincentivized to be drafting Dak Prescott because you've already gobbled up the offense. So that is one way is if you're debating between two players, you're like, oh, maybe this other receiver has fallen to you. You're like, oh, I wanted to draft Mark Andrews. Well, boom, draft him. Maybe Dak Prescott actually falls to you just because everyone else in your, in, in the, the draft lobby is yeah. disin, disincentivized to, to complete that stack. It's only you. So I, sometimes I'm willing to like wait an extra round, especially if I'm debating between the quarterback or some other position player, draft the position player. And if you're lucky, all of a sudden, Dak Prescott comes back to you in the, in the next round. And
1: I'm probably not going to be taking a lot of Ezekiel Elliott as running back seven right now on underdog, but I will absolutely take Tony Pollard at running back 37 and 100 overall. We need to have a Zeke talk later on. I'm in. Okay, let's do it. How about, um, we're getting some questions here on the live show. By the way, if you're tuning the podcast, we do this show live on Mondays and Wednesdays. Eric Crawford, I've taken naked Dak. Out of a spike, is that fair? Would would you for someone that has the pass catching weapons, the offensive weapons around him, is just taking
0: Dak by himself okay? I don't. I wouldn't do it. Um, okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna take take Dak, at least draft Gallup and then the tight end later on. Yeah. Um, but I think I would only draft Dak if I've already selected either Cooper or CeeDee Lamb already. All right. We've nominated the Ravens and the Cowboys as. Very
1: expensive stacks, but ones we're willing to pay up for. How about affordable? Which one are you going to nominate here?
0: The Los Angeles Rams. And the reason why is I just think Stafford is a big quarterback upgrade. And I think there's reasons to believe Stafford could have maybe not a career year because some of those Calvin Johnson years were ridiculous. But in the last four years, Matthew Stafford has ranked and this is in percentage of his pass attempts coming on play action. So we we love play action. Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford is ranked 26th, 15th, 33rd, and 29th. He gets no play action opportunities. Meanwhile, over the last four years, Jared Goff was 5th, 3rd, 2nd, and 3rd in play action attempts. So all of a sudden, Matthew Stafford, who can sling the ball just about as good as anybody in the league, is going to have all these play action opportunities. And we know that the Rams' run game is going to be good. They, I think you're going to see... Robert Woods have a higher a dot Cooper cup can have a higher a dot. And then I think you're going to get a Tyler Higby season where he's not going to be uh, splitting snaps with a, a a receiving tight end like Gerald Everett. So none of these guys are very expensive. If you look at what Robert Woods and Cooper cup have done the last two seasons, even with Jared Goff, they're beating out this ADP without the quarterback upgrade. So to me, you don't have to spend uh, a second or third round pick on these guys grab one in the fourth, grab Tyler Higby later on, complete it with Matthew Stafford, and just bet on Sean McVay. It was a total
1: pain to watch this Rams offense last year. Like, they had a nice, you know, two-year stretch where Sean was getting the most possibly out of Jared Goff in this offense. And then defenses – I mean, you remember that Miami Dolphins game last year. Like, I mean, he was absolutely panicked. So, it's so clear that Sean, in his actions, in his words – they want to throw the football down the field. My question to you, Hayden, is like, what does that do to the likes of Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods? I mean, their A dots last year were seven for Cup, 6.7 for Robert Woods. Meanwhile, Josh Reynolds was the quote unquote downfield wide receiver. In fact, Tyler Higby had a higher A dot than C- Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. We add in Deshaun Jackson. We add in Tutu Atwell. It's so clear they want to stretch the field. But I'm wondering how that impacts the players that the constants, you know, the cups and the woods of the world.
0: I think you're just going to see them be targeted a little more downfield. Their catch rate is going to drop a little bit, but if you look at historically um, just air yards and how valuable each target is, the deeper you get downfield, the more fancy points those are worth. So a, a target 15 yards downfield is worth more than a target four yards down uh, uh, past the line of scrimmage. So I think it's going to be end up being a positive. I think the Rams are probably going to average just more, uh, yards per pass attempt as a team. I think they're going to score more touchdowns as a team, especially if the defense isn't as good, as which is something that we can kind of bank on just because they were so good last year and they lo- lose their defensive coordinator. So it doesn't cost that much to, to complete this stack. And it's one of those teams where if you drafted Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, who the hell is drafting Matthew Stafford in your league? So it's another hmm. affordable stack that you can have. And we've seen Jared Goff go, go crazy in this offense the last four years, Jared Goff has been the quarterback 19, the quarterback 13, the quarterback seven, and the quarterback 12. I mean, Matthew Stafford's being drafted at those spots. And I think that most people would agree that Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. So I
1: love Matthew Stafford as quarterback 11. That's where he's going an underdog right now. I love Tyler Higbee at tight end 10. And then after that, do you want I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you want Tyler Higby as, as a part of this, because finally, like he is the position to himself. We're searching for those like tight ends after tight end, what, five or six, wherever Cal Pitts is going that we can like really fall in love with. He's the name that I keep going back to. So are you open to then getting both Cooper Cup and Robert Woods? Is it one or the other? Like what's the construction like outside of those two pieces that I mentioned?
0: You can do both with Stafford and Higby, and that would be like kind of pushing the limits. Um, I think you can do one of the receivers with Tyler Higby, with Matthew Stafford, and then in your last round, then you just give a, a little flyer on Deshaun Jackson, Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson. We'll have to kind of go through and wait for August training camp reports to figure out how often they're going to be using 11 personnel because they were a 12 personnel team last year. But to me... Their draft indicates, and their free agency acquisitions indicate that they want to go back to eleven personnel in passing mm. situations, and that's another big bonus for Tyler Higby. I, Josh, I think we need to have Jordan Rodriguez on the podcast and get this all lined out. I think that's something we got it. We got we got to line up.
1: Maybe while you're soaking in the sun on the beaches on vacation next week, I'll be working. Maybe we'll have J Rod on the podcast next week. She's tremendous, one of the best beat writers in the country. Uh, maybe we'll do a show. Don't steal my idea out there, anyone. Maybe we'll do a show on like all beat writers who cover teams that had major quarterback changes this offseason. And it's a lot, but I think that'll be like a really beneficial and how they changed, like that that change at quarterback will change the offense too. I think that'd be a really beneficial show. I'll I'll look into it. I'll do some work while you're gone, Hayden. Please. How about that? Um, Yeah, I mean, your point about 11 personnel stands out to me because, again, it's just so obvious that this team was hindered by Jared Goff last year, but like in previous years, when Sean McVay didn't want to change things on a weekly basis, I would say he hindered them at points too. you know, like how they were 11 personnel, like 92% of the time, but now like both of those rivers are meeting where he's willing to change his game plans and the structure of his offense on a weekly basis. And now he has a talent that can also accompany it as well. The only thing I'm terrified about, and we'll discuss this at another date, offensive line really lacks depth. Like they still aren't investing along that offensive line. So it's something that I said a couple of years ago, like, hey, worry about this. They have had tremendous injury luck despite all that. But how long can that last? Unless they just have like the magic potion uh, over there in Los Angeles. All right. My affordable stack, the Washington football team. We've, you know, at the start of the offseason, as soon as they sign Curtis Samuel, as soon as they sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, We all get excited, and I I think because of the draft process, we've all forgotten a little bit about how great Washington's offense can be, and uh, it's really affordable. I mean, the player that's highest, obviously, is Terry McLaurin at wide receiver 13, around 36 overall. He was the wide receiver 20 in fantasy points per game last season, but I think on some level, Hayden, do you agree with this? We should really throw out what Washington put on the field last year in terms of like how it defines Scott Turner, what kind of offense they want this to be. Because when, when you went from like Dwayne Haskins to Kyle Allen, to Taylor Heineke, to Alex Smith, that isn't what they want to be at all heading into 2021.
0: I agree. I would pay more attention to the 2019 stats in Carolina. And that's, of course, they have some similarities. They bring in Curtis Samuel and the whole thing. Uh, I, I think that he's a pretty decent play caller for fantasy. Likes to, loves to run with pace. Um, I think that they could pass the ball more in general just because they have a quarterback upgrade this year and they use motion a lot I think that they go three deep in their wide receiver sets they found a breakout tight end last year they found a breakout wide receiver or a running back last year so I I think that Washington has a pretty complete team just top to bottom so I I think they should be the favorite uh in the NFC East that's a side note but yeah I'm with you Washington's a they're a good football team right now
1: So Hectic Eclectic points out in the chat that Gibson is the most expensive. I'm not even talking about running back in this stack. All I want is the quarterback and and both pass catchers, both wide receivers, because that is very achievable. I mentioned that Terry McLaurin as wide receiver 13 in the third round, you'll probably get him no matter where you are. And then you can go over to pick 86 wide receiver 39 Curtis Samuel is. And the reason I, I want to exit him no matter what draft I'm in is because his usage last season in Carolina with Joe Brady was very different than his usage with Scott Turner in 2019. Hey, we have some, a resume here with the two, with the play caller and, and the player working in unison last year in 2020, Curtis Samuel led the Panthers in slot snaps, 332. That was 71% of the time. He had an a dot, a 7.5. Now production wise, it was his best season. Wonderful. That's great. Competent play caller, competent quarterback, those are the results that you get. That was the first time that had ever happened in Curtis Samuel's career. He had a competent play caller in Scott Turner in 2019, but a Cal Allen throwing him the football. But his usage in 2019 is very intriguing for what he can do in Washington this year. Just 29% of the snaps in the slot and basically doubled his A dot. 14.8 average depth of target. We're going to get some downfield shots to Curtis Samuel. We're also going to get some manufactured touches to Curtis Samuel. To me, he is the outside receiver that they can also put him inside if they want to in certain alignments. But getting Terry at wide receiver 13, Curtis at wide receiver 39, and Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback 21 absolutely slots to me as my favorite affordable mid-tier stack here uh, heading into the 2021 season.
0: Yeah, when you told me that this is going to be your affordable stack, I, I went to to the, to the a, a couple of websites to look at Ryan Fitzpatrick's numbers 4th in success rate, ninth in yards per attempt, 12th in EPA per dropback, 13th in completion percentage, and 18th in fantasy points per game since 2018. I mean, he's been a top 15 real-life quarterback over the last three seasons. Uh, he doesn't never gets the, f- the full um, season to himself, but I, he will this year because Washington's probably going to win 10-plus games. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, as long as he just doesn't fall off a cliff um, just because he's a little bit older – He's going to put up numbers, and I, I just think that Washington's just being slept on overall. Just Ryan Fitzpatrick's being slept on. Terry McLaurin's being slept on. Curtis Samuel's being slept on. I thought Diami Brown's a good player. Antonio Gibson's a good player. I mean, what's not to like about this?
1: And while there's a narrative that, like, oh, great defenses mean that your offense doesn't have to, you know, necessarily put up a, a ton of points to win ball games, I always think great defenses – Put your offense in more advantageous positions, you know, more opportunities inside the opponent's 50-yard line, even inside the red zone on turnovers. I don't think Scott Turner's is just going to like, and Ryan Fitzpatrick going to take the foot off the pedal, you know, they're going to want to put up 30 points a week. It's not like, uh oh, 17 will do it this week. No, 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 my friend. And we've seen it like Scott and Norv back in 2019. Hey, I know, again, that defense sucked at the time, but like neutral pass rate was really high. Pace was really high. There, there was a lot of positives just from like a how an offense is run style that I think we can take. And we have a few mentions in the chat with Deami Brown. I mean, yeah, if you want to take a flyer in him at 181, that's totally fine as well. And if you miss on Terry early on, shame on you, but you can get Logan Thomas as tight in nine, 98 overall. So there's like the, the pieces are very defined to me. And one where I think winning, losing neutral They're going to throw the football. I really like Antonio Gibson, but I really like these other pieces as well. And it's one, again, I mentioned that was very affordable. All right. So we've gone through four. We've got two more. Look, stacks can come out of nowhere. Maybe it's a rookie quarterback. Maybe it's one that's just being undervalued because of a new play caller. Hayden, let's try to uncover the archaeologist here for the stacks. Help people who maybe punted early on or are trying to, you know, Hitch a wagon later on. Find some stacks that are of value. you are going to nominate?
0: I'm going to go to the Chicago Bears, and this is just a bet on Justin Fields. I know that the front office and the coaching staff wants to recreate the Patrick Mahomes where he waits a year. I just don't think that Andy Dalton is as good as Alex Smith was that season, and I think that they're going to be forced into Justin Fields starting. We know what Justin Fields can do as a dual-threat quarterback. I also think that's going to be the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever played with. He's being drafted as a wide receiver 11. Last year, Allen Robinson was the wide receiver 12 per game on wide receiver six fantasy usage. And they didn't add anything to the rest of the receiving core. It's still going to be Darnell Mooney on the deep breaths. They still are trying to trade Anthony Miller. They don't have the cap space to bring somebody else in to compete with these guys. So you have a very uh, direct uh, situation where it's just Allen Robinson, a little bit of Darnell Mooney, then the, the two tight ends are going to be competing, and then you have David Montgomery. So I I think you can go with David Montgomery or Allen Robinson, come back with Justin Fields, and then pick your poison, either Darnell Mo- Mooney or Cole Kmet. There's a lot of options to build this stack, but I think you just want to be betting on Nagy with a quarterback who uh, wins similarly to Trubisky as like just somebody that wants to kind of run around a little bit but still wants to mostly throw the ball. But just Justin Fields just way better than Trubisky.
1: I'm with you. I, I'm really excited for when Justin Fields hits the field. Um, I'm a little nervous of, one, when that's going to happen because I keep saying it. Whereas they made a good decision in trading up for Justin Fields, that doesn't mean that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, who've made a lot of bad decisions, will continue to make the right choice in starting Justin Fields if it gives them you know, a better opportunity to win. And also, Hayden, we talked about edges of drafting early. The edges of the rookie quarterbacks is like basically gone right now. If you're talking about Trey Lance, who's vaulted all the way up, rocket ship to the moon as quarterback 15 right now, he started off as like quarterback 25 to 30 and Justin Fields is right after him as the, as the quarterback 17 people are in love as they should be. Does that give you some concern?
0: Like at some point it's a bit rich. No. It is rich. And this is like one of those situations where you're only caring about the upside. You're only caring about the top 10th percentile finish for these situations. If if Justin Fields doesn't play, well, guess what? I'm like 98% of the people who didn't win that much money uh, anyway. So I'm okay. Rolling the dice with Justin Fields shooting for the stars. The only, like you mentioned, I I would only do this stack if I already had invested into a, a pretty good quarterback. For example, I've already built a Chargers stack. I know Justin Herbert's going to be carrying my team for for a little bit. If Justin Fields only plays the last 10 games, maybe yeah. he doesn't finish as the, uh, the a top 17 quarterback on the season. But when you're trying to win the whole thing later in the year, if Justin Fields is starting to click, having a late breakout season, all of a sudden you've had Justin Herbert carrying your team for the first eight weeks, and then you've paired with him with Justin Fields to kind of round out your roster. So I wouldn't be banking on Justin Fields, giving you week in week out production, because there is a risk that he plays no games this year. Like that is yeah. within the range of outcomes. But if you could manage to pair him with somebody that is going to be a little more steady, Eddie, find one of these top eight quarterbacks, ride him and then sprinkle in a little Justin Fields. I think that's okay. Yeah. I need to do a better job of thinking about like
1: week six versus just week one, because you know, I, I've missed out on the Justin Herberts, the the Lamar Jacksons during his rookie year, because I'm like, oh, they have veteran quarterbacks in the position that it's pretty clear that the, the play caller, the head coach wants them to start. But losing teams, things have to change. And when you draft a quarterback in the first round, uh, the future investment is there. And they can come in and really be the winner for you in the second half of the season. And most importantly, these big tournaments, Hayden. Week 15, week 16, week 17, week 18, those rookies almost certainly will be on the field in those moments. And the veterans that were there to just occupy and warm up the chair at the start of the season uh, are not going to be. So I agree. Again, quarterback 17 is a bit rich, I think, but m- we'll find out more during preseason action. But I'm also thinking, Hayden, if like Trey Lance is named the starter, for Justin Fields is named the starter, both those guys I think are going to start going the top 10 quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, they'll be right in the mix. It's, yeah, I'm trying. The other thing we have to figure out is when is it best to aim for this Bears stack or the 49ers stack? Let's say we start in August and Jimmy G and Andy Dalton are getting all the first team reps. Are we going to see this ADP plummet and then that's when the best time to draft these guys? Or is it now where there's still a little uncertainty? And if we learn that Justin Fields is getting the first team reps in August, guess what? Now he's being drafted as a quarterback 12. So that's something to think about. Like, when should you be targeting these stacks? Because we have three or four months to figure out when we want to get in, get our shares, and get out.
1: Yep, I like it. All right, I'll go with one. As you turned to the Galaxy Brain stack, this team is just totally different heading into 2021. They have a new head coach, a new play caller offensively, a new quarterback, all of it. The New York Jets. There's only one player on the Jets, Hayden, that has an ADP lower, should say, above 100. Who is it? Corey Davis? No. It's Michael shock you. It's Michael Carter. Michael Carter is the only player in the Jets that is being drafted inside of the top 100 at 95 overall. Corey Davis is after that at 115. Then Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is going ahead of Denzel Mims and Jameson Crowder. I think I'm guilty of starting that trend a little bit. Hey, maybe this show is just a tad. Um, and then Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, you get him at 164 overall. This is just... An entirely achievable stack that, to me, if the pieces get going and can start off on a positive foot, one, you have a lot invest in the offensive line. Two, you have a play caller that's coming from a Kyle Shanahan tree that understands, hopefully, how to create separation and how to play to each player's strengths. And maybe this is one of those periods and and teams that you can, you know, lean into the unknown. A little bit. We also, I think, forget a little bit, Hayden, that Zach Wilson has some rushing upside. Like we've talked about with a lot of these other quarterbacks. He ran what eight touchdowns in at BYU. Like potentially there's something there as well that's a little cherry on top of this.
0: Yeah, this is the stack where you're like, oh shit, it's uh round 10 and I don't have any stacks yet. Yeah. Or, or I only have one and like I'm like, well, I'm scrambling, and this is the one that you throw out there. Um, I think that Corey Davis, is he being slept on a little bit too much? I mean, they gave him a ton of money to be the ex-receiver of this team. I I can see that Zach Wilson just says, well, uh, Corey Davis looks really big and he looks really fast. I'm just going to throw him the ball uh, when he's kind of scrambling for his life. And I I think that Corey Davis might be like 12 wide receiver spots too low. Um, But like you said, this is just the cheapest stack there is. You know you're going to get some big weeks just because the Jets' defense is absolute trash. And it is super cheap. So if you if you're scrambling, you haven't found your stack yet. Welcome to the Jets. Yards per route
1: run has been like a great indicator of success in like the next season and predictor. Uh, Devonte Adams, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, and Julio Jones were top four last year. Guess who fifth was? I'm gonna guess Corey Davis. <laughs> Corey Davis. Um, and I went back and watched some Denzel Mims of his rookie season. Uh, holy moly, the guy can play, hey, and I really liked him coming out of Baylor. Uh, they obviously did not set him up for success. No one in the Jets was with Sam Darnold, with Joe Flacco, with everyone else. But he was creating separation. So on the inside, he looks like a gazelle trying to run after the catch. He doesn't really know exactly what he's doing. Um, it's like all limbs everywhere. But on those contested catches, that's like his forte. We know Zach Wilson loves that as well. Uh, I'm still not drafting Jameson Crowder where he's, he's going. And this Elijah Moore rocket ship is maybe getting a little rich. But, uh, Chris Herndon still out there again, this is just a super cheap stack that like the ecosystem that they're building there. I don't want to try to like buy into the narrative too much, Hayden, but the ecosystem that they're building there, it's a little enticing and it's the jets. Yes. But I think this might be a new era of the jets and, uh, again, offensive line skill players, Running back, we're not talking about. I mean, Michael Carter, I think we're excited. The name I keep forgetting is Ty Johnson. You know, Ty Johnson had some moments last year, Hayden, and we haven't mentioned him once this offseason.
0: I could tell you nothing about him, except okay. that I, I knew I, he was like a fantasy usage guy, like very late in the season last year for like a couple weeks. Okay. Um, any other things you want to talk about? I mean, I
1: could have thrown out the Panthers, the Chargers. All these stacks are, are possible and achievable. These were just six that we want to talk about now in early May that We're gonna talk about a lot more in
0: July and August and so on and so forth. I've got one more, Josh. And we talked about Galaxy Brain. This is like what's like beyond Galaxy Brain, and that's what this is. It is the 49ers stack, but with Jimmy Garoppolo. And the reason why I go with this is if let's say like Trey Lance gets hurt or something like this, I wanna be trusting Kyle Shanahan. And I think that if you're drafting Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle right now, if you're drafting them like where you need the passing offense to be legit. And I think that Jimmy G while we talk crap on him, sometimes he always is injured when Jimmy G is playing and he has all the skill guys, he can put up some numbers. Like the the 49ers are legit and Jimmy G is absolutely free. So if you've drafted two quarterbacks and you need a third quarterback, or if you only drafted like a stud, like Patrick Mahomes and let's say you had already drafted Brandon. Iuke throw Jimmy G in there. No one's going to have this stack at all. Everybody wants to be all in on Trey Lance. So if you're doing 50 of these drafts, make one Jimmy G 49er stack. Everyone will laugh at you, but you're trying to come in the top 100 I have thousands and thousands of drafters. Nobody else will have the stack.
1: Alex Clark mentions the Raider stack. I mean, look, if you don't have Darren Waller in your Raiders stack, like it, it's a bit hit or miss with me in totality. Darren Waller, I mean, they added nothing, nothing. Like he's going to eat once again. He's he's not necessarily a regression candidate, maybe from an efficiency perspective. Perspective, but like from a volume thing, he's still gonna absolutely feast. In. Your,
0: your Raider stack is Darren Waller plus Julio Jones plus <laughs> Henry Ruggs and Derek Carr.
1: All right, all right, we've gone too far now. Um, all right, everyone. Hopefully, you learned a little bit more about stacking, the reasons for it. Everyone's doing it now, but that's okay. You should still do it in order to win the one million dollar prize over at Best Woman E Two over on underdog go and check that out again that's a three and a half million dollar prize pool and if you do mock drafts out there i gotta tell you best ball is the best way of preparing for whatever type of season-long drafts that you have as well it doesn't necessarily have to be like a 25 five dollar entry to bbm2 it can just be a one-off of three dollars of five dollars of ten dollars because there's real money at stake there's real money on the line and underdog has the best adp out there so go and check it out it's super sleek on mobile and on desktop as well hayden hope you have just a wonderful time. Let me know what a vacation is. Uh, I'll be here creating more content for all of you. We'll still have shows next week. Um, and that's it. have a great time, buddy.
0: Yep. Pay my bills. Do do good work while I'm gone. <laughs>
1: we'll have a bunch of stuff on Underblog too soon, like uh, rankings for both of us, composite rankings for both of us. Be on the lookout for that on our Twitter feeds uh, and probably easily uploadable over to your underdog app so you can draft like with us by your side, basically with our rankings. All right. That's going to do it. Thanks everyone up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.